tātou. Teātou whai me te rangi Māori e o teātua. This is grace and peace from God to us all. And I trust you've already been sensing his grace and his peace upon you this morning as we've worshipped and as we've praised him. And uh, what we're going to start today, or carry on with really, is our second part in a little series we're doing. Uh, we're calling it For the Display of His Splendor. Can you hear me all right? I know it's very echoey around the room. Hello, 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 hello. All right, we'll see how it goes. Um, for the display of his splendor. And uh, really it's just focusing in a bit more about who we are as a people and, and as the church. And I want to approach it this time, uh, this, this theme, through a particular favorite passage of mine. Uh, I want us to look at um, uh, Genesis chapter 28. I don't know whether you've got it in your, you might have your Bible or not. No, it's not going to work, I don't think. Oh, sorry, wrong way. No. Oh, there we go. Uh, Genesis chapter 28. You've got your Bibles, you might like to turn there, but don't worry if you haven't, the words will appear on the screen. And Mandy is going to read it out to us. Um, so, how are we doing? So, Mandy, you want to read out the passage to us, please? Genesis chapter 28. If we could just go to the next um, page there, Brad, thank you. Off you go. Jacob left. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Excellent. Thanks, Mandy. So, so Jacob. Jacob is our man this morning, at least to start with. And uh, if you know the story, thanks, Brian. You'll know the story, then you'll know that Jacob is on the run. And uh, he's fallen out with his family, Esau. He's fallen out with Esau, uh, probably his dad as well, because he kind of tricked his dad. And uh, he's been ejected from his family, and now he's on the run. He's, he's taken off, and he's going to a place he's never been before. He's going to a people he's never seen. The point is, he's on his own. I imagine he's quite disappointed, vulnerable, feeling a bit low even. And then one night, the sun is going down, and uh, he wants to find a camping place. He does, a little sheltered place maybe, we're not told. He rolls his sleeping bag out on the ground and then he goes to, huddles down and then goes to sleep and has this amazing dream. And you've got to imagine what it would be like to have a dream like Jacob had, you know? Heavens open, stairway to heaven, angels going up and down, God at the top and speaking, this incredible dream. And I just love the way he responds when Jacob wakes up because when he wakes up it says here it says it says when Jacob awoke from his sleep he thought surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it he was afraid and said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God this is the gate of heaven and I just love that when he first turns up on the surface it's just an ordinary campsite but then when he goes to sleep under the surface, the curtain is drawn aside and it's like another dimension suddenly opens up and he realizes that he's stumbled into what he calls 
the house of God. And it's an awesome, awesome place. And you know, I've always loved this story really because I think, I don't know, I've always had a yearning that God's people and, and we here, even here, would come into a greater understanding of just who we are as the church and how awesome this place is. Because we all know what life is. It can be very difficult. Even on a Sunday morning, you know, when you come into this uh, empty gym and you don't know, but the setup team have already been in and they've worked hard putting the mats down and setting it up and the, the worship band come in and they start practicing and the Sunday school helpers are out there trying to sort things out out there. And, and then you come in from home and maybe you've got little kids and of course they play up once they get in the car and there might have been an argument in the car park, I don't know. Uh, but you come in and you come into this and it's just a gym. Gym, M, M, M. And it's cold. The heating wasn't good enough. And here you are. And then also, you look who you come to. You come to us. And, and look, I know you turned out well this morning, but how can I put it politely? Look, we're more hobbits than elves, put it that way, all right? We're, there's something domestic about us. We're just us. There's nothing extraordinary about us. We're just folks. We're good folks, but we're just folks. And so coming here can be a little bit like Jacob, you know, rolling his sleeping bag down on an ordinary old campsite. And, uh, and that's how it can be. Well, the Bible tells me something different, all right? The Bible tells me that underneath, behind the curtain, there is another dimension to all of this. It tells me that actually this is none other than the house of God you've walked into this morning. I don't know all of you, but I don't know what you walked in here for. You may not realize it, but you've just walked into the house of God. That's what you've done this morning. That's what the Bible teaches. And this place is awesome because together we house the presence of God. This is where heaven meets the earth. I, I love it when Paul writes to the local church in Corinth. He says in 1 Corinthians uh, 3.16, he says this. He says, don't you know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you, plural, are that temple. Alright, so, so we are the house of God. Just want to put it out there. That's Bible truth. That's God's assessment of what's going on here today. We are the house of God. His presence is among us. However you feel, whatever you think, that is the truth. And when I think about it, that's one of the great reasons why I love the local church. I love the church. Just put a little quote up there. How about this? The church is here on earth not to do what other groups can do, but to do what no other group of human beings can possibly do. It is here to manifest the life and power of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that happens even as we gather here today or whatever gathering we have. And I just think it's wonderful that we don't have to save up all our money and buy a plane ticket, then travel miles and miles away, hours and hours in the air to some country in Israel or place in Israel, to some town, to some building we queue up outside to get even close to the presence of God. No, the truth is, through the blood of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, he is here right now. He is here now. And we love it when he reveals his presence among us. Lee, well done, stepped out again, looking for God to heal, to just obey the promptings of God. That is precious and wonderful, and we're learning how to do it. 
Uh, I remember we baptized a young man some time ago now, and, uh, and, and I, I remember this young man, the first day he ever came to us on a Sunday, we're down in Tamanoa, and he crept in the door, and I remember it so clearly, he, he, he ran up the back of the hall and hid in the darkest shadow of the hall down in Tamanoa. And I know when we baptized him a long time afterwards, I remember saying to him, that first Sunday, what were you doing? You kind of crept in. And he said to me, you don't understand. I, I crept in and I went up to hide because I was afraid because God was in the place. I thought, yes. And we know we have other times, don't we? And I've known times even in just the last few months even, when you look around in our worship and you see tears rolling down cheeks, that's the love of God fills this place and the mercy of God and the kindness of God fills this place we love it when Jesus reveals his presence so I I love the local church and and let's be clear Jesus does too in Acts chapter 20 verse 28 when Paul is talking about the local church in Ephesus he says Jesus poured out his blood for the church so I know Jesus also loves the church and yet and yet the tension I have and we all have in this country is this, is that I love this church in a country where, broadly speaking, the church is despised and laughed at and disregarded, where people have given up on it, and the way it's been expressed has sometimes been appalling because the enemy has rampaged through it. So that's the tension. I love the church but this is how it's often regarded in the nation. But listen, if we're going to be biblical believers, we need to see the church as it really is, crucial to God's great plan. And the fact that it's been so targeted by the enemy just underscores what I'm saying. The enemy hates the church. So today, I just want to give you three points, really, as to why this community is actually an, imp- an awesome place to be among. Three things you may not be aware of, all right? Three things. Here we go. Three things. Number one, we've already been touching on this. This gathering and our other gatherings as a church is awesome because far more is going on here than what you can see with your eyes. This is Ephesians 3.10. Can you please join in with me as we read this verse? All right, let's join in. Bit of audience participation. Here we go. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. (laughs) Now that is a very dense passage of scripture, I know. But at the very simplest, it's telling us that there are more involved in what's going on here and in this church community than you and I can physically see. All right? In fact, there's a whole spiritual world out there that our world, our material background has blinded us to. You see, the Bible's clear there are principalities and powers beyond your eyesight. There is a God of this age. And there is a prince of the power of the air. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 6 that our struggle struggle is against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I'm just stating what the Bible is saying there. In other words, there are forces that work beyond your eyesight. And they're working against you, and they will be working against us as God's church, so they don't want you here. 
And if you come, they want you to leave as bound up as when you first came in. That is the enemy. And not only that, but there are also, there are angels who we're told in 1 Peter look in astonishment on the redemptive work of Christ among his people. Amazing. And they're also looking at what's going on here, and they are glorifying God because of what they see, the redemptive work of Jesus in his people. So, so there are other spiritual beings around the people of God, just putting it out there. So when Jacob has his dream, he sees angels ascending and descending in this place called the house of God. And what this passage is really saying here is that it's through the church, not us as individuals or sitting on a mountaintop somewhere, but it's through the church that the manifold or multicolored wisdom of God is declared or displayed to those powers. In other words, in other words, the way we love one another, the way we serve one another, the way we forgive one another, the way we are generous to one another, the way we're merciful to each other the way that we honour one another and are inclusive and bring healing and freedom and speak truth to each other. Through all those ways, God's wisdom and character are proclaimed and displayed. Because it all can only be done by the grace of God. So it's all him. And the enemy hates it and rages against it because it's the enemy that is pushed back by it. And the angels are amazed and God is glorified and praised. I love what one uh, Reverend Joseph Benson said. He said, in this verse, Ephesians 3, he says, the apostle intimates that the church of Christ is a grand theater in which the divine wisdom is most signally displayed. All right, you thought you were coming into a gym this morning. Actually, you were coming into a grand theater. A grand theater. That's what's going on here in your connect groups and elsewhere. It's a grand theater. It may not look like it, but you're in a grand theater this morning. What's going on here and in your groups is precious. We are gathered for the display of his splendor. It's why the enemy hates the church. It's why the enemy hates you being part of it. It's why the enemy would love us to be fragmented and scattered. And it's why we need to fight hard for each other. And we fight hard to be together, to be family, and to express God's heart to each other. Amen? Amen. amen. You say amen at that point. How awesome is this place? That's the first thing. So, second thing, another reason why it's so awesome being part of God's church is this. By gathering as we do in small groups, large groups, coffee times, mums and tods, youth, whether you realize it or not, by being part of this church family, you are part of an eschatological people eschatological. Sounds like a disease. Have you got eschatology this morning? What is it? Let me tell you, it's a great word to learn. It will help you out of all kinds of situations. Right? If you get stopped by the police, just roll down the window and say, eschatological officer. You'll say, oh, carry on, carry on. If you're in a party somewhere and you're feeling shy and embarrassed, don't know what to say, just say, eschatological, and people will be impressed. Right? Uh, it's a fabulous, fabulous word. What does it mean? Well, it simply really means this. It means that we are an end-time people. In other words, how we do life together as a church is a foretaste of the coming in of heaven upon earth. Yeah? And I love this as a verse. Just think about this one. This is a quote. Uh, the church is that part of the creation that has been redeemed and is being called into fellowship with the Son in anticipation of the renewal of the whole earth. 
Just let that sink in for a second, all right? See, we need to understand, Bible's clear, this age is passing away, all right? The world as we know it is passing away. It's on the way out. And there is a new kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that is coming in, and one day it will fill all things to the point where there will be a new heavens and a new earth, and the dwelling place of God will be on earth with us and will fill all things. That's where history is going to. You might not learn that at school, but that is where it's going to. That's where it's going to. Hallelujah. And the thing is, we who have been given our lives to Jesus, we're here in this room, we are now part of that new creation that's on the way. It's like we have one foot in heaven, even as we're walking on the earth. You are a heavenly people. You are. You're not trying to be. You are. The Spirit of God is in you now. Hallelujah. And so just by being the church, again, how we love, how we seek to live out our, the words, you know, the culture words that we used to think about a lot and we want to bring back in again, honor, authenticity, generosity, inclusiveness, courageousness, or courage. Those five words that we concentrated on and say, God, if we focus on these, we'll allow them to shape us. Look, the more we, we walk in these words and how we enjoy his presence among us, how we do all of that, points people to what is to come. In fact, it's the first taste of what is to come. I'm trying to think about how to communicate it. And my, I can only imagine, trying to imagine this scenario. Imagine you're in a very hot, dry place, like the Sahara or something in North Africa. Or I imagine you're there, maybe there's been a car, uh, plane crash or whatever. There you are in the Sahara, 40 degrees centigrade and more, very dry no water, thirsty, thirsty, thirsty. But suddenly you hear the forecast that there is rain on the way. And you see on the very edge of sight clouds beginning to build. And you're so thirsty, throat is dry. And you start walking, staggering towards the clouds. And then the wind begins to stir up. And as you're walking, you feel the first brush of rain on your face. How wonderful would that be? So refreshing. And also it means the rain's nearly here. It's the first brush. Well, listen, those first drops are us, the church, announcing that there is rain on the way. Announcing that the kingdom is going to fully come. That's the church. Heaven is on the way. So what that means is that when people in your office or your workplace or your shop where you go or in your street, and they're saying to you, well, well, where is this heaven then? How do you know it's really there? And how do you know that God is really alive? Then you should be able to say, come and see. Come and be among us. Come and experience his love and his mercy and his grace. Come and be loved by us. Come and sense his presence among us. Come among us and you'll see for yourself and you'll come and experience a taste of heaven. Now, if we can't say that yet, it just means we've got some work to do. God still needs to build us more and more and that's okay, but that's where we're going. That's where we're going. We're here for the display of his splendor. How awesome is this place? How awesome is the church and its calling? And then this leads me to the third thing. The third point as to why the local church is so awesome is because this, the church is God's ultimate agent of change on the earth. It's the ultimate agent of change. 
It's the means through which heaven will be established on the earth. A church that is proclaiming the kingdom and is living it out as a community and as a family. We are an agent of change. Heaven will be established on the earth. One of my favorite verses in the whole of scripture. My Bible falls open at it. Here it is, Isaiah 60. Can we all please join in with this one? It's a great passage. Here we go. Off you go. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. What a passage. question I have for you is, who is the you? Who's the you and the your? Right? Who's the one that the glory is rising upon? Who are they? What is that? And who is the, the one that nations will come to? Well, of course, the answer is, it's the people of God. It's the church. Hallelujah. It's us. Nations will come to the display of his splendor in his people. I get very excited about this. It's what I signed up for. I gave my life to. You know, I realize I've been in full-time ministry for over 30 years now. Just giving myself to the church. I love what it can be. Nations will come to the brightness of its dawn. And I, and I love the next chapter after Isaiah 60 because it unpacks what the glory looks like, all right? So these are another famous verses over in Isaiah 61. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now we know this prophecy is speaking about Jesus because in Luke 4, Jesus claims it for himself. But we also know this applies to us because we are his hands and feet and he's poured out his spirit upon us for that purpose. And so we, his people, are called to bring change, to bring freedom, to bring healing to the world. That is our calling. And that's why... God has planted us as a church into this nation at this time. It is God who planted us to proclaim good news, bind up the brokenhearted, bring freedom and release to the oppressed. It's our calling and it's what his glory upon us is for. Hallelujah. And let me just tell you this, this nation is desperate for it. This nation is desperate. And I guess the challenge for us sometimes is that we don't always see how desperate it is because often it's under the surface. Or sometimes it's so close we kind of look past it. That's why it's helpful sometimes to glance at some of the stats, you know, the statistics that are put out, which is what I've been making myself do over the last few days, actually, just looking at the statistics again. And so I looked at statistics like... Uh, Prison, who's there? Life expectancy, suicide, drug use, mental health, and also family violence. And as I looked at the statistics, you know, it made me realize how desperate things really are. How every family is affected to some degree by these issues. Why people here among us today are also affected by at least some of these issues. It's affecting all of us. This country is desperate, desperate 
for the church to radiate the splendor of Christ. It's the reason why God has planted us in this land. But can I just close with this as well? As I look at the statistics, as I looked at them, my eyes were open to something else. In this week in particular, Maori Language Week, I looked at some of the statistics and I found this, things that are unique to this land. I found that in prison, over 50% are Maori, which is amazing when there are only 15% in the, in the nation. Isn't that amazing? I discovered this, that life expectancy for Maori are still significantly less than non-Maori. How can that be right? I found this as well, that suicide nearly twice as high amongst Maori. And the suicide rate is high in this nation. Drug use far higher than any other ethnic group in the nation. Mental health was a huge issue. I waded through heaps of statistics there. But what it came up with is that amongst Māori is higher than all others. As far as family violence is concerned, half of all those in women's refuge are Māori. Half of all offenders are Māori. And I looked at this and I thought, and maybe you're thinking the same, what is that about? What does that mean? Why is this so out of proportion? Or as I heard someone say, what's wrong with them? Well, commentators will say what is going on here is that we are seeing the effects of a terrible injustice in the land that this country is still not faced up to where the people who once filled this land, the original Tangata Whenua, and enjoyed this land and grew their identity in this land and were at home in this land, were robbed of their land. Disinherited and brushed aside and humiliated and so that by 1900, the year 1900, they were nearly, or talk was about their extinction. And their descendants are still paying the cost of that abuse. That's what we see. Everything taken, even their language was almost taken. My grandfather was thrashed for speaking Māori in school and my father had to turn his back on the language to get through school. And the language is still not safe. Praise God for Māori Language Week, but experts say it's still dying. It needs to be far more to survive. And of course, if you lose the language, well, you've already lost the land, if you lose the language then that's the last of the culture gone. And let me ask you, if we cannot restore honour and justice that we took from our own people, how will we honour anybody else? How will anybody else find their true standing amongst us? The church is called to bring healing and change, and restore honour. You know, there's a place in north of Auckland called Ruapekapeka Pa, where the British fought against the local tribe, and, uh, and they fought it out there, Ruapekapeka Pa. My story is this, that my tupuna, I can trace them back to the person who was leading the tribe, Natihine, and my tupuna is this, I can also trace my descent back to the English commander who was facing them that day. 
And if I could somehow go back in time with a time machine and get in between cannonballs flying and muskets going off, if I could stand up and say, stop! Could you just stop? You don't know what by carrying on the way you are, the ongoing destruction that will go generation after generation and the poverty and the abuse that will follow. Could you just stop and can we have a talk? I think they'd lay their weapons down if I could convince them. And we could do a better way. The truth is there is no better way than through the mercy of God being displayed through his people. Build the church and heal the land. I'm looking for healing to come to this nation and that's why as a church we will continue to stumble our way forward as an agent of change in this area as well as in others. And we're going to do it with confidence and grace because we know that our God is for us and his love is for the people of this nation. And so, hallelujah, we're not left alone as orphans trying to work this out. No, remember, the Spirit of God is upon us that we might do this with effectiveness in this land. Hallelujah. I feel very excited by what's coming. King's Church, how awesome is this place? You are here for the display of his splendor. Principalities and powers are in awe of us. We are ushering in heaven upon earth and we are God's anointed agent of change. There's a dream that... uh, Lawrence had some while ago, and we read out portions of his dream every now and then, don't we? Because it's so powerful, this dream. He woke up in the night, this dream, God's given me a dream. He's a prophetic guy. He wrote it down, came to me the next day. Pete, I've got a dream. I've had this dream. I said, okay, Lawrence, what is it? Can I read it out? I said, I'll read it. yes, you can read it out. And there was a, other leaders around the church that were there, and he read it out, and you could have heard a pin drop as the anointing of God was upon this dream. Now, we're not going to read the whole thing, but just a few paragraphs at the end. Mandy, could you just read out the last few paragraphs of this dream? Just listen and allow the spirit of grace just to minister it to your spirit. Thanks, Mandy. I tell you that my purpose is to establish a church that is so full of love, faith, humility, generosity, authenticity, power, joy, peace, worship, love, and reverent awe that such a world is built. My purpose is to establish my throne and presence among you so even the streets of your neighborhoods become places of repentance, forgiveness, healing, and worship. Where the sick come to be healed, where the broken come to be transformed, where the wicked come to repentance, where righteousness and generosity is celebrated, where joy and peace is a tangible experience and where Jesus is worshipped in awe and wonder. For I tell you, I'm building an authentic church which does not just know the truth but has the joy of it in their hearts. I'm building a church which is not just saved but which serves the unsaved in generosity, faith and humility. I'm building a church that takes five loaves and two fish and feeds thousands of the hungry. I'm building a church that brings healing to all who seek it. I'm building a church which looks as irresistibly gorgeous as the bride my son will marry. 
for my purpose is to bring heaven to earth. My plan is that greater things are done here than Jesus showed you can be done. My plan is that you devote yourselves to receive the promise of Abraham and be my friends who build on what has gone before to go further again until Jesus comes again. For this is not just for you, but for your children's children, for generations to come. Praise God. Can we stand, please? Can we just stand? I, I listened to that passage and I think, God, we've barely begun. We have so much to learn about humility and authenticity and transparency and we so loathe the hype as a church. We don't go there. We want the real deal. We have a heart for authentic church, servant leadership, priesthood of all believers. Each one of you flying in the gifting that God has for you. It's not built to an event or a platform. It's about mobilizing the people of God to be that agent of change. It's also about exporting what we have, planting again and again in the nation. Seeing grace-filled, spirit-filled churches up and down the land. Not just us, others are doing it as well, but we have a contribution to make. I just feel as we're standing here before God that, you know, it's amazing as a church, we've all come from such different backgrounds, different nations, different histories, different experiences of God, different experiences of His church, some good, some not so good. But I believe this is a moment in history where God is calling us as a people to go at it again, not in our strength, but in His. There's an invitation this morning that if you're thinking, well, I, I, I understand what they're going for. I see they're not there yet, but I will contribute what I have to build it. Then I believe that's an invitation that I feel God would lay that out for you this morning. To do that, some of you may need to get over cynicism or defensiveness or some of the pain that you may have felt in other situations. That's okay. God's gracious. He wants you to run again in freedom. Loving what He loves. So Father, we just stand before you and pray, would you please come upon us in these days? Because the need is great and the nation is desperate for the answer. Every one of us, Lord, in this room are affected to some degree by those statistics and our own lives or our families. This nation needs the real deal, not the pretense. It needs the real horse, not the donkey. It needs the eagle, not the albatross. It needs a dove and not the pigeon. It needs the real deal. 
And so, Father, would you please, by your grace, build that among us in Jesus' name. Would you please help us step forward and play our part by your grace? Would you build a humble and transparent and loving and holy loving people of God, full of grace and mercy, captivated by the love of our God, the preciousness of Jesus, aware of the awesomeness of our calling to be the gateway to heaven, the house of God, for the display of your splendor. Father, I ask this, Lord, no hoki te rangatiratanga te kaha me te kororia ake, ake, ake. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit.